no one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. All right, First and Pod. We won't be doing every team every week, every game, because there are no games. But it's our first post-Super Bowl edition episode. It's still year one of this thing. So we're going to figure out our off-season rhythm. We've never done an off-season of this thing. But it's the same thing. Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi, Spencer Ray producing. Tell a friend, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, Pony, the dust has settled from the Super Bowl. We are recording this on uh, the Thursday after. So about five days after the game, the parade uh, has happened. All the coaching vacancies has been filled. We'll get to that. But what post-Super Bowl thing do you think we didn't maybe get to enough on Sunday? I have my answer. Okay. We didn't get to enough on Sunday uh, that you'd like to tackle here as we kind of post-mortem the Super Bowl. The thing we couldn't talk about hadn't happened yet, and that, just from my perspective, has been the way that NFL players reacted to the Juju Smith-Schuster-Bradbury Valentine's Day tweet. And it wasn't just Eagles players. Like, the reaction from the national football media and ex-players of, is that really the way you're going to treat a guy at his lowest moment and kick a guy while he's down? I was surprised that so few people wanted to give Juju the benefit of the doubt on that, Danny. And I was even more surprised that no Chiefs players really rallied to defend him in that spot. Like, where were the Chiefs players on Twitter and social media being like, calm down, A.J. Brown, it's a joke. It's like they wanted to stay out of it and basically just let the man fight his battle by himself. And he just got destroyed for it. So. Yeah, he did get destroyed. It was a um, it was a joke. I think that Chiefs players not rushing to his defense makes sense. They're celebrating winning a Super Bowl, and they don't want to amplify what was a corny thing to do. Like, I, I felt like a couple things could be true right there. It was corny, but it was funny. But the Eagles players dunked on him, and I completely understand why. Like, A.J. Brown being like, Mahomes saved you. You were out of the league. Uh, Garner Johnson being like, I had more interceptions than you had touchdowns. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they they came at him hard. Uh, I thought A.J. Brown's response was awesome. He was like, hey, man, like, we admitted it was a hold. Let's don't, – don't pour salt, basically. And then he napalmed him. Because I, I thought that Bradbury did us all a big solid. Like, I know you were offended to your core about the penalty, but it would have been a huge topic. And it was already big, but it would have been massive if the Eagles would have bitched and moaned about it. And I thought that the the backside camera angle that they didn't really show on the TV broadcast showed a pretty clear grab of the jersey. Except so, that backside camera angle also showed a Chiefs offensive lineman grabbing an Eagles defensive lineman by the face mask and a blatant hands to the face penalty. Yeah, man, refs got refs got things wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they don't they don't make every call. But I so I didn't think we were more on the refereeing, if anything, because they talked about it during the game broadcast, but I didn't think they talked about it a ton post-game. Um the playing surface. 
is something that I think the NFL needs to address. I understand that it can't be uniform if you're going to have grass. Obviously, it could be uniform if everybody agreed to the same type of artificial turf, but players seem to prefer grass to turf if grass is able to be grown. So I'll defer to the players on that. And then horticulturists say, groundskeepers say, that you can't grow grass the same in Green Bay, Wisconsin, as in Arizona, as in Miami, as in New York, as in Tennessee. I'll take their word for it. They got to figure out a way to fix that problem, man. Adam Kilgore's reporting in the Washington Post that basically said that they made choices in the two years that they were growing that field for that Super Bowl to do the one that looked the most aesthetically pleasing. And then they painted on top of it. And they basically were playing on ice. Uh, The Eagles players changed cleats, a lot of them, during the game. The Chiefs did not. There was some analysis on dropbacks that Eagles players, there's there was at least an Eagles player who slipped on 30 a defensive player on 35% of Mahomes dropbacks compared to like 18% for Chiefs players on Jalen Hurts dropbacks. That's an embarrassment. Like the I don't know what percent it was a, the reason for the Eagles having zero sacks on Pat Mahomes. I think their offensive line was great. I thought Andy Reid's game plan was great. Mahomes was obviously a gamer, all of that stuff. But there is zero reason why the playing surface should be 1% of a storyline of a Super Bowl. That's just insane. So every year the competition committee looks at things. They've got to figure out a way to have some league-mandated baselines for the playing surface at these stadiums. What was wrong with the Arizona Cardinals playing surface in the regular season? I, I, I don't remember or recall watching any of their games and this being an issue. It's not like they didn't play any games that were nationally broadcast or in prime time. They played the Bucks late in the year on Christmas night, and I don't remember any of this stuff happening. So why did they go to such extreme lengths to try to put a unique playing surface together for the Super Bowl? That makes no sense to me. No, they tried it, to fix something that wasn't a either. problem. And but they were bragging about it, man. They're like, we got the sod father, we got George Toma, we consulted with the PGA yeah. tour, we all these things. I honestly, if I'm the Eagles, that's a bigger controversy than the the holding penalty. And I know both teams played on it. I understand that. And you prep everything for a Super Bowl, and the Chiefs clearly had the right cleat game plan to slip less. But Olsen was calling it out all game. Yeah. They talked about it in pregame warm-ups that the field was slick. That's just unacceptable. Yeah, and I haven't gotten you... a satisfactory answer from the league on why that happened yet. The Super Bowl is partly played at a neutral site, so it eliminates stuff like that. That's supposed to be the idea. That yeah. The last game of the year is played – and the weather or the elements or something like that is not an impediment or an advantage for any team or whatever. And clearly in this game, it took away from the quality of game in some way. I mean, it's still 38-35. I think if it's a if it's a Super Bowl that looks like Rams-Patriots or it's a sloppy turnover fest or something like that, like Bears-Colts, you know, if it's a game like that, I think it becomes an even bigger deal. 
Or if a think, star ruptures his Achilles. Yeah, or that. I mean, that's the other way of putting it. But I mean, that, that was what I kept. That was what I when when I read that Adam Kilgore piece, I was like, Jesus Christ! Like, yeah, they were they were playing with fire. Like that that was a that was a. I mean, we had we had Odell Beckham Jr. have a non-contact knee injury in the Super Bowl last year. It didn't change anything. You know, I mean, this is. I'm saying like, but like you know, like the players complain about like MetLife and that. Oh yeah, that patch turf that still like six of the stadiums use. So it just is crazy to me that NFL players know what fields are more dangerous than other fields. That should not happen. Yeah. That I want to say I, I agree with everything, just about everything that has been said about the decision by Arizona to hire Gannon out of that game as their head coach and the way that it relates back to enemy Like, it's ridiculous that enemy only got like the Colts head coaching one of like a million guys who were interviewed for that job. And so many people have rightly pointed out why didn't Doug Peterson or why didn't Matt Nagy suffer or why didn't they get docked in their interviews for having Andy Reid really call the offensive plays and run the offenses there. And they moved the goalpost for enemy. And now it's like he's got to go to another team with a defensive head coach and be the offensive coordinator in order to get a head coaching job. I think it is BS. Like, why agree. would you want the guy who coached the defense that got worked over in the Super Bowl over the guy who Andy Reid said he and film study found a deficiency in the Eagles red zone defense that directly led to us scoring two touchdowns in the game? I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, he's had 15 head coaching interviews, man. So I don't, I mean, there's, there's obviously the NFL's historical and present day embarrassing track record of hiring minority coaches. That's obviously a huge part of this. There's also, he's getting these interviews. No one is saying that he's doing a bad job in the interviews. But people have, like you said, moved the goalposts to he's got to go be the offensive coordinator for Washington or he's got to be go be the head coach uh, in college or something like that. That's insane. I don't think Matt Nagy ruined it for him. Doug Peterson got another shot and looks like he's doing great in Jacksonville. So I don't think it's like the league has turned on Andy Reid disciples. I think it's possible that non-quarterback is part of it. And I think it also gets trickier with the Byron Leftwich situation where like Bruce Arians left and the Bucks offense dropped significantly. And I think that in some ways, a lot of the reporting has been out that like Andy Reid just talks up all of his assistants to try to get jobs. He talked up Mike Kafka for the Cardinals gig. Uh, he claimed that Matt Nagy was the play caller ahead uh, of the Bears interview. And that's like since been debunked by reporting. So I think that there is like everybody knows and Andy Reid is now being heralded as as this like all encompassing genius uh, now that he's won and been paired with Mahomes that I think people are a little bit more hesitant to give the offensive geniuses number two a gig for this offensive genius because it's not that way for Sean McVay. Every Sean McVay guy is getting hired, but they're all white dudes. LaFleur and Zach Taylor. It's it's a travesty that Eric Bieniemy hasn't gotten a job 
And I don't, I agree that it hasn't been there very well reported because I, I'd almost feel better if someone was like, the guy sucks in interviews, but no one's, no one's come out and said that no one wants to put their name on anything like that. So but I don't, I, you're no, telling I'm, me, Adam, you're telling me Adam Gaze interviewed well with the jets. No, that's what I'm saying. Two head I, coaching jobs. I, dude, I, it's, it is a total black mark, no pun intended, on the league. And that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was these, the fact that both Eagles coordinators get hired. I know that Gannon – I talked to Wanstead about it on the show today, Dave Wanstead, and he, he said that he advises all of his coaches, or he advised all of his coaches, like, when you're hot, take the job. Like, there aren't that many people that can pass up a job – and absolutely know that they'll get a job next year or the next cycle or the next cycle. Like you've got to cash your chips in when you're hot. And you saw that Gannon called Kyler Murray elite and he can't wait to go find offensive coaches to hire, to build around his skill set. I read that as you're just telling the employer what they want to hear. I think that yeah. people passed on that job because they didn't want Kyler Murray attached to it. But he is attached to it. Yeah, I mean, the, the organization also does not have a great track record when it comes to winning. I know it's been better lately with Arians when he was there. And, um, you know, Ken Wisenhunt before that, they went to the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner. But, you know, they fired Steve Wilkes after one year. They gave up on a first-round quarterback after one year. You know, there's a lot going on. Look at the Kime situation. Yeah. I mean, it's just not really, to me – a desirable place if you have options. So I get it. Like I kind of get it, but at the same time, you're telling me like the best they could do is a guy who in Philadelphia, they were talking about as a liability defensive coordinator. Like there's all, there's all kinds of conversation in the Eagles, like in Philadelphia sports talk about how it's addition by subtraction by losing this guy. Yeah, that yeah, they got a lot of sacks. Year, especially. Yeah, I mean, they were eighth in scoring defense. They had a lot of talent. Like, there's a sense there that maybe even that defense underachieved that the defensive coordinator was to blame for it. And if you watch him in the Super Bowl, I guess I can see that more than I could have identified with that a couple of weeks ago for sure. Well, we talked about it though, man. I mean, at least I did in the in the for the Chiefs pick was you know when when he played golf. Scored 35. When they played Dallas, one time he got Cooper Rush. The other time they gave up 40. When they played the Packers and Aaron Rodgers gave up 33 and Rodgers didn't even play the whole game. And then didn't really play any other good quarterbacks. And that's not hyperbole. Like th- their schedule was, they, they, they kind of peaked defensively with that Monday night game against Minnesota when Darius Slay owns Justin Jefferson. And then they beat up on the Giants and the Commanders and, the Saints and Brock Purdy with no elbow. And I think they were a good defense that was inflated by a horrid NFC and some schedule luck. So I, I, I also, I'm, I'm biased towards offensive coaches always, but so like, I'll be floored if the Gannon thing works. Yeah, I know. That's how I feel. But the Steichen thing, just conversely, because I thought that Jeff Saturday was going to get the job, 
the fact that they didn't hire Jeff Saturday and hired an offensive coach makes me think, not that it's a very, not that it's a great organization, but Chris Ballard is widely regarded as very good at his job, even though he's had a bad few years, like post Andrew Luck, uh, in terms of identifying a quarterback. That's one that I'm inclined to believe is going to work because they waited, they got their guy, they didn't go with the incumbent and they hired an offensive coach. So like just judging these hires, like books by their cover, first blush reaction, that feels like it's the right type of hire. But it feels to me like they, they, you were married to somebody and you liked all the traits in that person and you just wanted to get a younger version of that guy in your second marriage. Like it's just Frank Reich all over again. It's like almost the identical resume to Reich. And so when that hire happened, I'm like, why didn't they just keep Frank Reich? Okay, so that that's interesting. Frank so- Reich, for you know, people have gotten on him a little bit because of the way this year went. Look at his win-loss record with a different quarterback every year. It's impressive, in my opinion. To do what he did with Phillip Rivers for one year to make the playoffs, they almost beat Buffalo in Buffalo. He had Carson Wentz at 9-8. and eight. Carson Wentz had 28 touchdowns and 7 interceptions there. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett for a year? Like, you dumped him and you're like, well, who are we going to get? Oh, another Eagles offensive coordinator who went to the Super Bowl and comes kind of from the same coaching tree. And an cool. arranged marriage with uh, Matt Eberflus. Didn't even get to hire his defensive coordinator or staff. Um, the What's interesting about that is when the Bears fired Nagy, I said, the crazy thing about this is, I still believe in the process that landed them on Matt Nagy. Like, it didn't work. He was stubborn. He didn't adjust uh scheme to his personnel and he clearly was like a one-trick pony who couldn't do it once he got outside of Andy Reid's shadow and adjust but I said I was like I'd hire Doug Peterson you know I I said I know they won't so we basically never talked about it yeah um but I was like Doug Peterson Andy Reid disciple been a head coach won a Super Bowl won with multiple different quarterbacks within that system Like, I think it still is the right type of hire. And so if you're saying he's just Frank Reich, but younger, I get what you're saying. But like, if like the Broncos went and got Sean Payton because they needed credibility, but if they would have gone from Nathaniel Hackett to the, and then hired uh, like Ben Johnson, if he didn't go back to Detroit, like the young offensive coordinator from the lions, like to me, that's the guy you always want to hire. Because if you hit on him, if you hit on the guy that's the good play caller and the good game planner who can maximize the quarterback, it's by far the most valuable thing in coaching in the NFL. Well, it's just a shame that Biennemi is in this spot. I'm I'm dying for him to get an opportunity because I want to see if he can do it or not. Like, there's not another assistant coach in the NFL who I have more of a curiosity over in terms of what would he look like as a head coach than Eric Bieniemy right now. I'd love to. I'd, I mean, I'll, I'd love to know what someone would say off the record about it. 
like, but not a Kansas City person. You know what I mean? Like, how is that interview- story not out there? How is like a Don Van Nata or somebody like that? How have they not done an investigative piece on how this guy in a in a league that craves offense? He's been associated with this offense for two Super Bowls and five AFC championship runs in, in some capacity. And he's had all these opportunities that people just keep passing him by over and over and over again. Well, I've never seen anything like, like it. And it's not like people that have coached under Andy Reid haven't worked. You know, this right. isn't, he doesn't have a reputation like Belichick where nobody can recreate it. Some guys have been, I mean, they haven't all been offensive guys, but I mean, Har- John Harbaugh was John on Harbaugh. Yep. Uh, Chico Rivera coached under him. McDermott coached under him. Obviously, Doug Peterson. Co- there, there was three years ago, eight of the 32 coaches in the NFL had coached under Andy Reid at one yep. point. Again, not all to success, but it was, I mean, so yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's and, but the one thing I would just say like journalistically is it's like, Hey, we already didn't hire him. Now I'm going to smear him anonymously. Like that's a, that's probably a pretty tough story to report. And that would look, that'd be, people would be furious reading a story, smearing Eric. B. But I think people are demanding answers. No, so I, I understand. I understand that. And and journalism is supposed to be messy sometimes. I'm not saying it's not a worthwhile story. I'm just saying, like, could you imagine Don Van Nata or Dan Wetzel or someone, like, publishes a story and it quotes four anonymous GMs, like, crushing Eric Bieniemy? That would just – that would not go over well. So I just, I just don't know who's willing to put a quote out there. But it it, it would it would be fascinating. So that pretty much wraps it up, right? It's now rumors, like all the coaching vacancies are filled. Super Bowl parade has happened. Uh, We ready for draft rumor season? Because it's Bears time, baby. (laughs) They got the most cap space. They got the number one pick. And we think they got the quarterback. Well, even before that, though, like, can't, correct me if I'm wrong, but Carr could sign with the team tomorrow morning, right? He's not, he doesn't have to wait. Yeah. The same way as the other, like for the new league year. Because he was released. Yeah, that's right. I believe that's how it works. Yeah. So I think I saw one odds maker, one offshore account, put the Carolina Panthers as the favorite to sign him. Hmm. Which when these other like NFL.com and ESPN, okay, where are the potential destinations? I don't see them up there at all. That makes me feel like somebody who set that odds has like an inside inside information or a source that's telling them that. Well, so I think that like, and I think that, you know, Bo- Boomer Siason once called me, uh, he said I had a Narpian take. I said, Narpian? He said, non-athletic regular person. And I was like, oh. Guilty as charged. I've never heard that acronym before. That's amazing. And he, and he used it on you. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he, he, no, he got you it, pegged. He used it completely accurately. He says he uses it on his guys in New York. And it made me laugh very, very hard. Um, my take with, that he said was, I, I was like, I'd fire Matt Eberflus to promote Luke Getze to guarantee. Yep. And I heard you say that. And I like that take. So I guess I'm Narpy and just like you. Right. But so my question, my, my, my point is, um, I 
feel like as a NARP that if I'm Derek Carr or if I'm any of these people, I'm trying to migrate to the NFC. Like, I know it's more than just a quarterback league, but having to go through Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, Burrow, Lawrence, Watson, the Texans are going to take the top quarterback in this draft, most likely, if, if the Colts don't jump up there to take him. Like, to me... It's in the NFC, it's Jalen Hurts one. I mean, I, I guess Aaron Rodgers, maybe, you know, but like it is wide open in the NFC. Like if Derek Carr went to Carolina, he's the second to fourth best quarterback in the NFC, right? It's Jalen Hurts, him, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields, if he takes the leap, like. Daniel Jones, Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah, Jared Goff, who produced big numbers. I mean, it is wide open. So I would be thinking about that sort of thing. Because it's like it's 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 a path to winning. Like, I would be like, where do I want to go? I want to go NFC South, you know, and then and then I want to go dome. So, like you you mentioned, I think you were the first person to say it to me, like Atlanta with uh with Kyle Pitts and and Drake London and a dome and a terrible division of quarterbacks, that's pretty appealing. So like, so like I got why Derek Carr uh, took the visit with new Orleans, NFC South, Chris Olave, a Dennis Allen relationship. Yeah. Like to me, that one made all the sense in the world, but all these people being like Raiders jets, why? Why would you? Yeah. Why would you choose? Those aren't Super Bowl caliber rosters. They're they're fine rosters, but they're not. That's crazy. That's crazy to me as a NARP. Well, the Raiders have weapons, and the Jets have a young roster that produced the both rookie of the years, and had another guy in the running before he blew out his knee. But the problem is, like you said, it's just such a loaded conference right now. You know, those rosters actually, if you if they migrated into the NFC. You might give the Jets and Raiders a chance to make the playoffs and do damage because it's such a it, the, the 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 dispersal of talent right now is so uh, concentrated in the AFC. But I think you could I think you could make a compelling case for every single team in the NFC South for Carr. I really I really do. Like to me, I would probably rank Carolina last though among those four. But if you put him with any of the other three teams, I think you could instantly say, okay, that's the team that's the favorite to win that division. You brought up New Orleans. You've got Alave. You've got you've got Camara. I don't know what's going to happen with Michael Thomas. I feel like that ship has probably sailed there, but their defense was really good in the second half of the season. Um, Tampa Bay, you still have Godwin. You still have Evans. But you've they're projected offensive- to be 50 million over the cap. Right. So then that would probably take them out of the running. Like, I mean, I, but you can always restructure things if you right. want to get creative, but I can't imagine Tampa can keep all of its weapons, add Derek Carr and stay under the cap. I, I think Tampa's cap situation with Kyle Trask on the roster, Tampa feels like they're ready for a hard reset to me. Well, then they should trade some of those guys. I, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, that, that would be, that would be part of the hard reset. Um, Trade trade those guys while they still have some value, and then try to be 
the team for Caleb Williams. Like, try to be the worst team in football. That feels like a... The, I like it's, that. It's, it's, I like it's that a drastic idea. fall, and the division might be awful, but what it, it's like having a great closer in baseball on a bad team. What good does having a great 28 and 31 year old wide receiver do you when you got Kyle Trask throwing you the ball, you know, like I just, I don't, I mean, no, if you told me you could get Aaron Rodgers and like try to go win this year's Super Bowl. Yeah, but you just said it. They can't do it with their cap it with their that's cap what I'm saying. problems. Yeah, but no, I know, but I'm saying in a universe where it worked, like where you could just plug and play a great quarterback to run back a very old roster. Sure. But I don't, I don't really see a scenario where that exists, certainly not for Rodgers and probably not for Carr. Carr, you could be a little bit more creative on because he'll, he could, in theory, sign a cap friendly, backloaded contract. Um, but if you're not like really trying to win next year's Super Bowl, if you're Tampa, I'd blow it up. Yeah. Um, but Atlanta, so- Atlanta would be another one. I think that's an easy city for Carr to go to. It's not a fan base that's too that's going to be too hard on you. You know, there have been some things about like his sensitivity and stuff like that. I think that that would play fine there. It's not a New York market. It's not a Philly market. It's not a place like that. So, given Arthur Smith's an offensive coach. He did a good job with Ryan Tannehill when he was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. Now, a lot of that was was Derrick Henry, obviously. Um, but Smith has found ways to scheme up the run game. He did this year without, without much in the way of quarterback play. So that would be the intriguing one for me. Like, if I'm Atlanta, I didn't, you, you, you had too good of a season to draft somebody so what's the alternative? Do you go and try to take it out for another year and get Caleb Williams like you said, or do you try to get him? I don't think it's going mean, to – but the question is, what is Derek Carr going to cost? Like I, I read somewhere that Daniel Jones wants $35 million a year. That was reported in New York today, $35 million a year. So what's Carr then, 40 Yeah, more probably, probably 45 40, 45. Um, great gig, by the way, if you can get it. Um, but the thing is, man, I don't think that these guys think that way. I don't think they, like, what's my easiest path to a division title and therefore a home playoff game? Which is, would be one of the biggest factors for me. I think that they're such competitionaholics and such egomaniacs. And I don't say either of those things as a pejorative. I say yeah. them as like, facts to make them the 1% of the 1% that they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll go to the Raiders with an unproven head coach and a bottom five ownership situation in a division with Sean Payton, Justin Herbert and Pat Mahomes. And I'll win like, and maybe and Aaron Rodgers, by the way, that's at least like deserved ego. But if Derek Carr was like, yeah, why couldn't I win with the Jets? I'd be like, man, you're insane. That would that would, that would feel crazy to me. Um, so, who would you, by the way, say is the second best quarterback in the NFC? Right. By now? the way, can you hear my dogs going crazy in the background? That's because. Let me tell you a quick story about why that's happening. My wife has befriended a cat 
that lives in our neighborhood is an outdoor cat, it's a barn cat. So right now as we're talking, this cat is probably on my back porch thinking that there's food there. There's not because my wife's out of town. So the cat is scouring around for food and my dogs are pissed that the cat is out there. So that's the commotion you hear in the background right now that is giving me more be, time to well, go ahead. You, you can't be having cats. Well, we indoor. don't allow it in the house. Yeah, I know. But indoor, outdoor, on the property. Um, they're horrible creatures. You know what? I You know who I think is going to be one of the most, like, this is going to be my way maybe of answering your question. Because I looked at this when the Super Bowl odds came out that we talked about on our Super Bowl podcast. And then I looked at the full list uh, the next day. There seems to be at least a little bit from the odds makers, the belief that the Rams are going to get their shit back together. That they just had an awful year post Super Bowl, that injury luck, their offensive line was a disaster. Some of the offseason moves they made, like Allen Robinson, for example, didn't work. Cooper Cup got hurt, missed a ton of games. Um, how about Stafford? Stafford's going into his 14th year. Is Stafford just done? Is he just shot? Or is he somebody that had a bad year, got injured, was never fully healthy because of the elbow thing that they talked about in August? And now he gets to full offseason to recover. And we're going to see a different guy, a guy that looked more like 2021 Matthew Stafford this upcoming season. That's possible. That's possible. That's an old guard answer with an offensive coach and a proven track record of producing that that's possible. So maybe it's some recency bias. It's a, it's a desire for wanting there to be my guy to be next with, with fields and, but I will, I'll put fields right up there too, man. I put him right up there too. I'm a big fields guy. I'm stunned by how many smart people seem to think that the bears would be better off drafting young and trading that pick. It just, it's mind boggling how many of the analytics people think that that's the right move. Yeah, it's, I agree. Is that you. fucked with you when like people that you trust and are smart are saying that's the right move? Yeah, of course it has. Um, so what are you saying about it? <laughs> I'm saying what I think it, what I think is this. If it was Caleb Williams, I would also be advocating to draft the kid. If it was Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck or Joe Burrow. So I can't say it's completely ridiculous when you have the number one pick in the draft to consider the number one quarterback in the draft because the most valuable thing in the NFL is proven star quarterback on a rookie deal. Yeah. And Fields is not proven star quarterback. He is electric. He's the most exciting offensive bear player literally of my lifetime. I'm 36 years old. Um, but it would be devastating because I think he's so goddamn cool, frankly. Um, I want him to be the quarterback for the next decade, but I did force myself to watch like a 10 minute compilation of Bryce Young throws. Dude is crazy accurate, but he is so damn small. I know. 
He is so small. Dude, I agree. That That's why I can't do it. That's why I can't. But the throws, man, the processing, the release, the accuracy. There's a video on the internet, Bryce Young incompletion highlights. They're just throws that are dropped that are incredible. Like, and I know, <laughs> I'm serious, man. You should check it out. It is a crazy watch. Like this dude's incompletion mixtape is awesome. So I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. I've put it at like 5%. Ryan Pohl said he'd have to be absolutely blown away. Um, and the other reason is the Bears have so many needs. You can get much more trading the number one pick than you can trading Justin Fields. So, like, if you, what I want them to do, it's the most obvious move on the chessboard to me. And I'm sure we'll talk about it a ton this offseason. But trade with Indy. Go from one to four. Let Indy jump their division rival in Houston so that they get quarterback one from this draft. Mm-hmm. Pick up their second rounder from this year that you get basically recoup the one that you gave up in the Claypool trade and get next year's first. So you got two firsts next year. You move down from one to four. You bank on Houston taking a quarterback. So two quarterbacks go in the top three. And you get whoever's left of Will Anderson and Jalen Carter at, at fourth overall. So you either get your three technique or your edge rusher. You get a second round pick and you get two first next year. Man, I think about even moving like six or seven spots back and getting the ass load of picks and then just taking like Skaronsky with that pick. That's been talked about too. Or the kid from Ohio State. The yeah. the, the mountains. Yeah, he's just, no, no, no. The 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 offensive tackle. The, there's two of them. There's a left tackle. And there's a right tackle. Right, and the right tackle was at the Senior Bowl and had like the longest wingspan we've seen like ever. Yeah, um, what's the dude's name that I'm thinking of? Paris Johnson. Yeah, I said Johnson. You did. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So, like, yeah, that, that I mean. That is the the only thing is I think that like they're so they they had no front seven talent after they traded Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. So and they have Matt Eberflus as a as a head coach. And I think that like they yeah, need use your free agent dollars on stuff like that. You've got so much of it. There's no ta- there's no tackles in free agency, especially if Orlando Brown ends up getting franchise tagged. Yeah, I I we're we're gonna do a topic actually on the show tomorrow. Like, what's the lowest you would trade down? Because I, I I just think you need blue chip players. Like, you know. So, but like, if if Carolina wanted to move up from nine to one, next year's first, this year's second, next year's second, you know what I mean, and just stop and load you up. Yep, I'd do it. I just think you need you need to stay in the top ten. You need to you need to have a shot at a blue chip player. Will you bet the XFL? If someone tells me that there's edge on a particular bet, but I won't handicap it myself or watch it enough to have any knowledge. So you won't get it. So you won't watch it at all this weekend. No. Will you? Well, I might a little bit. One of my good friends is the offensive coordinator for the St. Louis team. So I'll probably watch them. Bruce Gradkowski. Um. Heinz Ward is coaching the San Antonio team. Not that I have a great relation, a non-existent relationship with him, but I'm a little bit curious about that. But 
I don't know. I, it's football. It kind of. It's technically football. I I I mean, I got Bulls Bucks on off to the left. I I hammered the Bucks minus eight and a half tonight. Uh, that is, they're up twenty three with three and a half minutes left in the fourth. So that I, you know, I I got NBA, dude. I got golf. I got the Genesis. I, I watch golf tournaments. Well, that's just Tigers in it. That helps. No, but I I watch non. I golf's golf's great. I love golf. I hate so, you. So I'll watch. I I don't. Man, I need my sports to have stakes attached to it. I, I, you can't tell me that you care who wins an XFL game unless you bet on it. Well, that's yeah. why I do it. Really, right? Okay, but I'm saying that there are there are sports that are more baked into my natural fandom. Yes, yeah, like I don't the Genesis to... Invitational. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't need. To, I don't need to. I, I don't. I don't need more football. I want. I want football at the highest level. I don't, I don't, I'm not, no USFL, no XFL, no Pro Bowl. Dude, I don't like exhibition games. I don't like spring training. I, the sports need to have stakes attached to it that I care about for me to So watch. you're going to tell your boss if he wants to send you to Arizona for spring training, F off. There's no stakes. No, I don't care about the games, but spring training is great for the show because of the interviews, the access, the relationship building, the all drinking. That. Well, yeah, the drinking, the golf. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the clubhouse in the morning. Do the show off the air by four. Get a Twilight eighteen in. Stays. stays oh, light that sounds mountain. that sounds horrible to me. You don't like? Golf? I just I hate it. I like watch like I like watching majors. Yeah, I mean I've been to a U.S. Open. I've I've walked the course and stuff. Like yeah, I think I'm going to go to the PGA this year. Like I'm into stuff like that. I'd go to a Ryder Cup if it didn't interfere with like football, but. I just don't have any interest. Problem for me is I just know so many people who are still bad at golf and have poured so much time, energy, and money into it that it's a non-starter for me. Every uh, time you're, I you're you're speaking to one of those people. Every time I start to try to play it, like it dawns on me this is going to be really fucking hard, and then I stop. So I never get good. It's yeah, I'm not I'm not good. But you're playing against yourself. You're just trying to get better. It's so great. Man. Oh my god, it's so worthless. Great. It's the best. It's the greatest. I I could do ten hours on this, but my wife's in the next room and she literally hates it. <laughs> um. All right. All right. We'll talk to everyone next week. Thank you to Spencer Ray. Tell a friend. Let's keep growing this thing. Let's shock all of our bosses and have this podcast still showing up in the top five for the entire company, even when football season ends. Let's go. So we're building a loyal following here. Pony's going to give out XFL winners next week. And okay. uh, we got to keep got to keep it going. Let's, let's just say we're going to give out a better show. I like St. Louis minus two and a half against San Antonio this weekend. Okay. The XFL. All right. I'll bet it. I'll no, bet you it. won't. No, you won't. I got Mac McClung in the dunk contest. Mac McClung, the old Georgia, Georgetown, Texas Tech guard? Yeah. Get the hell out of here. He's the favorite. Get the Plus F out of here. Really? Plus 150. Yes, sir. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Good, good, good for him. 
Yeah, hold on. I'll pull it up right now. I don't think I'm allowed to bet that in Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania has weird betting laws. Like, we can't bet on stupid shit like that because it's an exhibition and not a real thing. Illinois, you can't bet on Illinois college teams. Oh, my God, is that terrible. (laughs) It's horrible. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. These politicians are idiots. Yeah, dude, dunk contest is Mac McClung, Jericho Sims, Kenyon Martin Jr., and Trey Murphy III. Mac McClung, that's plus a, 150. That's a far cry from Dominique and MJ, huh? Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. But. All right, dude. Good talk. All right. Talk to you next week. Peace. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company. 